Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Newstar. Stressing over your marketing plan? Get your team on the same page with Newstar's unified analytics to score big with your customers. Visit newstar.biz playbook for game-winning strategies. This episode is also brought to you by Deloitte Digital. Deloitte Digital has created a new model for a new age, the Creative Digital Consultancy. They are transforming the digital journey in a way an agency or traditional consultancy alone cannot. Now leaders across the entire organization can come to one place to have their ambitions brought to life. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is a special edition of the Adweek podcast where we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl. We're recording this the morning after the game, so it's all hopefully still fresh in our sleepy heads. Uh, and uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, so we're going to break format a little from those of, uh, you know, if you're used to listening to the podcast, uh, we're not going to have a news section or an ads worth watching or any of that because it's all going to be hopefully about ads that were mostly, mostly worth watching at last night's game. With me as he is each week is Tim Nudd, our creative editor. Tim, thanks for joining us so early after uh, such a long night. Thank you for having me. And also with us is Sammy Main, a staff writer covering the digital media industry and all sorts of other aspects of uh, marketing and technology. And uh, she has been keeping tabs on the Super Bowl advertisers uh, for the last few months, running our Super Bowl ad tracker, uh, which is blessedly complete. So congratulations on making it through that, Sammy. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I personally approved each ad that aired by the time I saw them all. So I'm excited to get to talk about them. Well, in that case, we have some talking to do. You, you have some explaining to do about a few <laughs> of these ads. Uh, all right. So, uh, like I said, no real agenda this week in terms of uh, kind of how we want to talk about this. So, first, I'm just curious to get an overall take. Uh, Sammy, you were in the war room at the Adweek headquarters uh, with many of our other staffers. What was the vibe there in terms of were people generally happy with the ads, impressed, disappointed? What was kind of the mood of the Adweek war room? There's a few times where we were kind of anticipating an ad, uh, and then it came on, and then after it was over, some of us were like, uh, what? That was it? And then a few times we laughed, a few times we didn't laugh because we had seen the ad already, so kind of the fun surprise was already spoiled. Um, but a few of the ones that were shot live or aired live during the game, like Snickers or Hyundai at the end, um, they were kind of nice to, to get to witness them in person. So a few of us had been spoiled along the way of, of getting to see the ads um, beforehand. But it was uh, sometimes disappointing um, with some of the more legacy brands with their ads weren't always as exciting as some of the newer brands. Um, but overall, yeah, we were definitely watching the ads more than the game, at least in the first half. And then by the second half, it was kind of split 50-50. We started kind of sitting up a little bit once the ball was in play. Tim, you were watching from deep within uh, Patriots country in Maine. Uh, What was the vibe there like? I guess first just kind of what did you think of, of the game and of the ads in terms of broad strokes? Well, it was a weird game in terms of uh, when people were tuning out, I think. I was in my office in my house, so I wasn't at a party or anything, so I didn't have a real gauge of, of how people were reacting as a group to, to the commercials. But the weird thing about this game was it went into such a lull, like in the second quarter, even into the third quarter. Normally, the fear is that the game's going to be a blowout at the end and that no one's going to watch the fourth quarter ads. I think the, the, the weird wrinkle last night was that 
a lot of people were probably tuned out for the, some of the second quarter ads and then the third quarter ads, and then suddenly in the fourth quarter, everyone was you know glued to the TV in the last 12 minutes when when the Patriots obviously had that amazing comeback. So a little bit different in that sense. Um, as Sammy said, we've seen so many of these ads already. I think 36 of the commercials were released uh, last week before the game. So there weren't too many. I think maybe I haven't counted them a dozen or, or maybe a few more than that uh, we hadn't seen before. Uh, so those were those were always a nice surprise, although I think all of us at Adweek kind of dream of the day where we will sit down to watch the Super Bowl and, ha- and have not seen a single commercial and have that element of surprise that, that so many viewers have around the country. Well, it's funny you say that as the guy who has to write all of our real-time reviews. I guess it's a it's a mixed, like a blessing and a curse to be able to, to really see these things in their natural environment and feel surprised, but at the same time, living in the social media world of, of kind of real-time response that we do, it would also be a, a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, I would I would still be doing reviews right now if we had to if we had to like <laughs> screen capture everyone and had not seen any of them before. And the same well, with our, uh, you know, five best and five worst, which I'm sure we'll get to shortly. Yeah, I was going to say let's dive in because uh, the sooner we can start talking about specific ads, I think the better. Uh Tim, you have already published uh your top 5 best ads of the year. Uh, which is something we all look forward to. And then you're, uh, we're going to go ahead and get a sneak peek from you about the top five worst, which will probably be live uh, by the time this podcast comes out. But uh, why don't you walk us through the five best from number five to number one? Sure. Um, you know, I, I want to mention first that I think this was a little bit of a disappointing year overall. I think the top five includes probably a few ads that maybe wouldn't have made a top five in, in prior years. I thought... Uh, you know, there just wasn't, uh, going into the game, you know, all the pre-released ads that we saw, uh, there wasn't really that breakthrough stuff that we had seen previously. Um, but having said that, my number five was the, and I know this is, I'm going to get flagged for this, it was the Mr. The Sexy Mr. Clean ad, uh, which uh, we screened in the office on Friday during our sort of Super Bowl happy hour, and everybody groaned, and, and obviously it's a sort of a, a, an uncomfortable ad. Uh, we can talk about that one in a bit. The, I, I like the T-Mobile uh, spots with Kristen Shaw, particularly the long-form one with, with her on the phone with the customer service rep. So that was my number four. Uh, number three was Audi, uh, the daughter commercial uh, about equal pay. Um, number two was sort of a sleeper hit. We weren't expecting much from this brand. Uh, it's a 10 health care, uh, hair care. And they came out with this really funny ad with, with sort of political overtones, but done in a really cartoony way, uh, kind of about... Um, like it's going to be a long four years for for bad hair, and uh, you should do your part uh, by having good hair, and so that was pretty funny. And then the last ad uh, that I really loved, was, which was my number one, was the '84 lumber spot. Which, you know, there's such a fascinating story behind this ad. You know, this is an advertiser that doesn't spend a lot of money on advertising, and uh, we we had news a few weeks ago that they were going to buy a '90, which is you know 15 million dollar investment. And it was very uh, provocative. You know, Fox rejected the script uh, initially, so they put the second half of the ad actually uh, online. And, uh, you know, that that actually crashed their website last night, which is a whole separate story. But uh, we were able to post the YouTube version of the whole ad, and it really is a lovely ad. And it's more complicated than people think. You know, the the story of this company is not really cut and dry. It's not really necessarily a a left-leaning message. In fact, the owner of 84 Lumber voted for Trump and, and believes that she's reflecting Trump's message, in fact, in this ad. So I thought, you know, overall, the craft of that ad was really lovely. The message was timely and pretty provocative. And overall, I thought it was the best ad of the game. Yeah, I, you know, I have a hard time. I, I get your points on 84 being, you know, more subtle and nuanced than a lot of people are going to, to think. But in the other, you know, on the other hand, it is an ad showing two, you know, kind of obviously illegal immigrants getting into the United States and 84 Lumber creating a door, a doorway through which, you know, and, and I think you mentioned in your story about it that this was a reference to a Donald Trump quote about, you know, there will be a beautiful wall with a big, beautiful door for people to enter legally. Uh, but that's not, you know, that's not what this story is. It's like it's a bit of a metaphor, but it's also a very direct story of trying to cross the border. And and so I'm curious, you know, how they kind of made peace with that as a in a like every other ad that people said was too political is too political because it had like references to immigrants or references to inclusiveness. This one was much more direct. You're right. I mean, you know, I think uh, the way they rationalized this was that they wanted to make a statement about. They wanted this metaphor about the wall. It's you know, it's it is a Trump quote. He said, "We're going to build a big, beautiful door uh, in the wall," and that's really the image that I think they set out with. And you know, they say they've been saying over the past 24 hours, you know, that that uh, 
while it is, it does look like a, and it is a story of a, a mother and daughter, um, you know, trying to come across the border, you know, not legally, but they, they say it is a metaphor for legal immigration, um, that the door represents legal immigration. And, and so even though they, when they get to the wall, um, you know, they may have been trying to get in illegally, but then the door represents legal immigration. So I, I understand that that nuance is probably lost on a lot of viewers. And, and that, you know, in, in some ways, though, I think that makes the ad, uh, the provocative nature of that will get the ad seen by more people. And so in that sense, uh, maybe there's a bit of a, I don't want to say cynical, but, but you know, that, that's a, maybe a, a, a conscious effort on this, on this advertiser to get more eyeballs on its spot. And, uh, you know, as far as it goes, you know, Budweiser had, had, had their immigration story. Audi had, uh, you know, a spot kind of about um, female empowerment and stuff. But, you know, I really thought this 84 lumber ad, I mean, it was a remarkable production. And the whole story behind it is pretty amazing. And, and uh, you know, I, I have to give them props for, for, you know, airing something that they knew was going to be incendiary to a lot of the country and uh, really sticking by their beliefs. Sammy, what was your take on the final, the, the big exciting conclusion of the 84 Lumber Ad? So as soon as we heard about this spot, as soon as we heard about a 90-second ad that was purchased by a construction supplies company that was then rejected for being wall-themed, I was a little nervous and ready to hate it because I thought for sure it was going to swing in the other direction. Um, but the, the conclusion to it, if you got to see it like before the website crashed or just on his YouTube page, it was really lovely. It, it told a very untold story and it told it in a very touching way, in a very familiar way. And you guys are right, the production value was gorgeous and I, I think it really paid off for them. I don't know necessarily that this was an ad for people. I don't know who this was for. It was this for, you know, um, owners of companies, of construction firms, of everyday Americans who are just going out to buy lumber and they see this brand and then they remember the spot. I'm not exactly sure what the overall intent of, of who it was speaking to or if it just kind of wanted to tell the story on its own. But I, I found it to be very lovely, even though I went into it ready to be mad. <laughs> and then it was super sweet. Yeah, instead. you know, it was actually, um, as I understand it, it was, a, it was an employee recruitment ad, essentially. So mm -hmm. 84 Lumber has, uh, they, were, they spoke to the New York Times about this a few days ago. They have a labor shortage, uh, apparently, at, at their company. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of folks that do this kind of construction work uh, are, are immigrants. And so they wanted to celebrate the immigrants. And, and the whole message of the ad, you know, that, the, uh, that hard work uh, will always be welcome here. I mean, I thought that was, you know, a, a pretty interesting way to to celebrate the the promise of immigration and not just the fear of immigration and and, and that's what they I think they were really they really believed I mean I, I think they knew they knew it was going to be a controversial spot obviously um, but they I think they believed that they were not really uh, opposing uh, Trump and his policies with this ad I think they were saying well Trump believes in legal immigration so this is about you know and I understand the creative on the spot might might be confusing in that sense but I think they they support legal immigration and they support the American dream as as seen from the other side of the border so um no shortage of reaction though to this ad online last night that's for sure well let's uh let's talk about a few others um before we kind of move off your top five let's let's go ahead and talk about the uh the sexy elephant in the room uh with mr clean and uh you know one thing that has stuck with me if if not the haunting swaying of his hips back and forth uh in the yeah. gift in the gift that we've been running <laughs> pretty much every day since it first came out, um, is the song. I actually thought the song was pretty incredible, too. Let, let's listen to just a, a little bit of the, the track from the Mr. Clean Super Bowl ad. That, that I think for me ended up being the most addictive kind of song of the night in a night that really didn't have much in the way of really compelling soundtracks not to say that that's the most like you know memorable <laughs> use of audio in the history of the super bowl but um but tim i was glad you included this because it's one where everyone is kind of disgusted every time it comes up <laughs> you know just because of the uh, it's a mix of this uncanny valley this like hypersexualization of a of a spokesman and you know 
I don't know. Like, what is it about this ad that made it so unsettling? Sammy, I felt like The Office definitely had kind of a chip on its shoulder about this ad, but also was kind of hypnotized by it. What, like, what, what makes it so uncomfortable? I wrongly chose a seat in the front row of our war room last <laughs> night. So when this commercial came on, I was blown back, <laughs> just <laughs> crouched down in my seat. It's not something, I don't know, I guess it's something you don't expect from a brand called Mr. Clean. It's not super clean. I guess it is supposed to be funny and, and making fun of like, like you were saying, hypersexualizing spokespeople or or it's supposed to be sexy that a man is cleaning and that's funny because they don't clean like it's a very (laughs) weird concept behind an ad but they definitely took their brand in a new direction this was their debut in the super bowl along with a couple other procter and gamble brands so i think they made a memorable spot i don't know if they're going to stick with this (laughs) new direction but it's just too much they had to have a discussion about how chunky to make his butt i don't like it it. <laughs> uh, t- Tim, what put it over the, the top for making it into your top five? Well, to me, this is kind of the ultimate Super Bowl commercial, at least for a comedy, where, you know, you, you, it's totally, you take something that has all this brand equity and you suddenly put a really sort of weird, provocative, bizarre, amusing spin on it. And I mean, just look at, at you know, it's been flying around the internet all week. I think Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres on her show mashed it up with um, some Fifty Shades of Grey clips from that movie and, and uh you know it was just i don't know it's just uh to me i, I don't think uh i don't think png could have could have made a more memorable 30 seconds i mean people are going to be talking about this remember they're going to remember it for sure you know a year from now two years from now i mean how many 30 second ads from last night are you going to be able to say that about and, and uh i don't think it was so weird that that people were uniformly off put by it you know i think uh i think I think most people, uh, there was a lot of people, in fact, th- thought it was completely hilarious. And uh, those who didn't at least were talking about it. And, and for P&G, that's a big win. So uh, I, I felt like this kind of, this was certainly not one of the most, if anything, it was maybe one of the least kind of uh, not safe for work or whatever, uh, you know, PG-13 Super Bowls. There, were, there was very little in the way of overt sexuality. And what wasn't there was obviously a punchline for something like T-Mobile. So T-Mobile had uh, what, two spots with Kristen Schaal, right, Tim? They did. And, you know, the weird thing about this is um, one of the spots was done by P- Publicist Seattle, and the other one was done by an agency called uh, Laundry Service. So I find that really odd that, that two different agencies would do Super Bowl commercials with the same talent. I, I suppose they, mu- they must have been two separate shoots and everything else. Um, so anyway, that was weird. But, yeah, I, I, liked the, I love Kristen Schaal, first of all, and – She's so funny, and and this weird character who's sort of addicted to the pain of, of being a Verizon customer. I thought that that you know hook was really clever, and uh, T-Mobile was was not uniformly um, successful on last night's game, which we'll get to later when we talk about the worst ads of the night. Um, but I loved I loved these Kristen Shaw ads, and I, and I liked the fact that there were two of them because you get that that kind of beat of a joke where it, the callback is almost funnier because you already sort of know this character. And so, I mean, maybe this wouldn't make uh, top five in, typ- in typical years. Probably both of these might not have. Um, but I thought, you know, in a, in a, in a night of m- mostly good but not t- that, that many great spots, um, this one made the cut for sure. Well, let's, uh, let's listen to a little bit of this was the second Kristen Schaal <coughs> piece, the one by uh, Laundry Service, uh, and uh, basically followed up an earlier spot where she's kind of having a – BDSM night uh, with cellular service, and then that one was a little more direct. This one was a little more uh, subtle and dialogue driven. So let's uh, let's listen to that. Verizon customer service. Um, I have a contract with you that says I can't go over my data limit, but I did. Let me pull up your information. What are you gonna do to me? What? Uh, uh, it looks like you did go over your limit this month. My God, I can't. Uh, you know, your overages plus taxes and fees. Say it again. Which, which part? Taxes and fees? Your taxes and fees.
I, I personally find Kristen Shaw to be a national treasure, so I think any anytime we can get her in there, but I definitely was glad to see that she got a spot with a little more little more room to kind of flex her her improv and her uh and you know her just general acting skills. So uh excellent pick. I would say the only uh one I disagreed on and maybe we were all just kind of tired of seeing it by the time the Super Bowl rolled around, which is uh always a an issue, was the Budweiser ad. I, I actually found the Budweiser origin story of Adolphus Bush to be, uh, you know, while not necessarily exciting in, in the in the biggest way of, of over the topness, I, I kind of like the subtlety of the storytelling. Um, and we've talked a lot about uh, on here. Uh, we had a reporter embedded with that shoot, and just kind of hearing all the the effort that went into the production of that. Uh, and they, and I thought they still maintain a, a nice level of, level of subtlety and didn't kind of overly aggrandize their their founder as some sort of you know amazing hero just really more as an every every man kind of immigrant uh, who came to the country and of course boycott budweiser has been trending off and on for the last well for the last few days uh, but especially over the last 24 hours my favorite was this morning boycott budweiser but with budweiser misspelled was trending nationally on on twitter wow um and it was because, like, I guess a bunch of people had started using that, and then, like, a bunch of people who supported the ad uh, started making fun of the people misspelling this. <laughs> so it just tipped over into being one of the top trending hashtags. Uh, but, Snickers bar. Yeah. So uh, let's move on from the five best to the five worst. Walk us through uh, from number five worst to number one worst. Well, this is always sort of an unpleasant uh, task, but... Uh, you know, my one of my th- one of my um, methodologies for five worst, honestly, is not necessarily those advertisers that no one's ever heard of, or or they're not, you know, nobody, you know, they ha- they're not, they don't have a history of doing very good advertising. So, you know, when American Petroleum Institute puts out an ad that's not very good, you're like, okay, well, of course that's not very good. Uh, you know, the, the five worst list has become sort of a more of like the five most underwhelming. Um, so I've, I've I chose for the five I chose. Uh, basically five advertisers that are big marketers who have done great work in the past and uh, just did spots last night that I just thought weren't very good. And so um, let's see. Among those five are Coca-Cola, which had the really product-driven ad. Um, You know, in in the pregame, they ran America the Beautiful again, which was the really interesting and, and wonderful ad that they ran in the 2014 Super Bowl. Uh, with people singing America the Beautiful in different languages. And, I, you know, that's such an amazing spot. And it's interesting that they put it in the pregame. Maybe they didn't feel like it was worthy of, of being back in the Super Bowl again. But the ads that they ran in the Super Bowl, you know, I really just thought were, were pretty lame. They had this Coke, Coke spot. was really about pairing the product with food. And, I mean, it was nicely done, I guess, for what it was. But it just didn't seem Super Bowl worthy to me. It wasn't you know, you look to Coke for entertainment on the Super Bowl, not really a pro- such a product-driven message. So that one disappointed me a little. And by the way, they, they ran a, another sp- a Sprite ad with LeBron James also, which was not very good and, and also had been released a few months ago. So no new work from Coke on the Super Bowl this year, which was disappointing. Um, another brand that I thought should have done better was Wendy's. You know, they had that 30-second ad with the guy with the hair dryer sort of trying to thaw the patties out at a rival fast food joint. You know, Wendy's is such a dynamic brand, particularly in social, and I thought this ad was, was a little underwhelming. I, uh, I also didn't like the KFC spot um, with Billy Zane and Rob Riggle. I just thought, I mean, it was only a 15. I guess it's almost unfair to, to, to diss it, but um, I just thought it was really a waste of time. And the other two, so my, my two top two worst, or bottom two worst, uh, Alfa, Rome- Alfa Romeo, the, the Chrysler, the Fiat Chrysler brand, they aired three spots last night, and you know, it's really just disappointing. I, I thought these ads were really bland and didn't do much for the for the brand at all. And, uh, you know, Chrysler is one of those companies that has done really iconic advertising on the Super Bowl from the Clint Eastwood ad. You know, you think back to um, the M&M spot, the imported from Detroit stuff. I mean, this stuff was just weak compared to that. I thought all three spots, we gave sort of a tepid thumbs up to their 60-second anthem last night, but the other two the 30s were really poor and I thought you know we expected a lot more from Chrysler and then you know maybe it's just me but the Justin Bieber spot for T-Mobile I found to be you know just you know a travesty honestly (laughs) I (laughs) I just I just thought it was terrible I mean here's a guy who I understand what they're going for here's a guy who's got 17 billion Twitter followers and he's one of the world's biggest celebrity stars and 
But I mean, he just in that ad, he just he looks weird in the tux, and he has no personality, and he's just the least charming person ever, uh, you know. And it also, on the flip side, it did inspire one of the best tweets of the night last night from the Wyoming, Minnesota. I guess there's a town in Minnesota called Wyoming. Uh, their police department tweeted out, "If you drive drunk tonight, we're going to subject you to that Justin Bieber T-Mobile Super Bowl commercial the entire way to jail," uh, which was one I think my favorite tweet of the night. So. Uh, silver lining, but I thought uh, Bieber really um, was not the right choice. And a lot, a lot of discussion too about how much he looked like Mr. Six from the old Six Flags campaign with his like crazy geriatric dancing in a in a tux. That's true. Yeah, very weird. Yeah, I don't think anyone. Is. I don't think anyone's missing uh, Mr. Six either. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> Super Bowl 2018 is going to be Mr. Six's big comeback. <laughs> Right. If, uh, spuds, if spuds can come back, Mr. Six can come back. All right. So that's the five best, five worst. You can find those on adweek.com. Uh, but let's talk about some of the other ads kind of that sparked discussion and attention. I, I feel like Bud Light uh, was certainly a, a fun one. They brought back Spuds McKenzie, which obviously the, the masses had been, you know, just demanding for for decades. Uh, but this was a widening Kennedy spot. Uh, am I right, uh, Tim? Yeah, Wyden Kennedy in New York uh, made this one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah so, uh, you know, with Wyden, uh, we always kind of expect the weird. They didn't really deliver last year with the Seth Rogen, Amy Schumer stuff. Uh, this year they certainly brought the weird. Uh, but I was kind of on the fence about whether it, it, it really paid off. Uh, I mean, Tim, what was your take on this one? Well, you know, the criticism here, obviously, is that Bud Light is out of ideas. They're bringing back spuds because they can't think of anything else to do. And in fact, you know, the weird thing about Anheuser-Busch last night, every one of their ads was kind of a retro theme. So the the Budweiser spot was about Adolphus Busch, you know, took place in the 1800s. Uh, you had this one with spuds, you know, going like calling back to the 80s. Uh, the Bush ad was was a parody of the 1970s Bush commercials. And then you had the Michelob Light spot, which had the Cheers theme as its soundtrack. So... Anheuser-Busch was going full retro last night. Um, this ad, I thought, was... I wanted it to be funnier. Uh, we gave it a thumbs up. It was kind of a qualified thumbs up. Uh, everybody seemed to enjoy the ad, I think. Um, but the jokes in it, I, I just felt like they didn't really... They weren't that funny. I mean, it was funny to, to see Spuds kind of hanging out like Jacob Marley in his, in his uh, you know, chain collar or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it just... It could have been a lot better, I thought. Sammy, you were probably more in the wheelhouse of their target demographic. What did uh, what did what did you think, and what was kind of the vibe of the room at the Adweek War Room? The vibe of the room really liked the ad. It was kind of like fun and delightful. I don't quite remember at what point in the game it came around. So it was probably when we were still open to laughter, rather than how the room <laughs> took a turn in the the later half of the game. Um, everybody seemed to to really like it. It was kind of nice and refreshing. Uh, there were giggles. I don't think anybody was necessarily judging um, the the quality of jokes. I think we all just kind of appreciated the ad. And I gotta say, I don't think I was alive when the first Spuds McKenzie ad aired. So I don't know if the rest of the millennials know that it was a callback and they just might have thought it was a funny ghost dog <laughs> <laughs> floating around. Awesome. So there was definitely probably a split of audience opinion based on when you were born. But for someone who was not around for the first one, I enjoyed it and everybody else in the room seemed to as well. Yeah, you know, the first one was on the 1987 Super Bowl. So that was 30 years ago basically this month i think the it was in january was the 30th anniversary of spuds's first appearance in primetime so yeah it's been a while the irony is that like spuds was controversial because uh he was seen i would say somewhat accurately as an attempt by the by the brand to appeal to kids uh you know this mm -hmm. came at a time when uh cigarettes and alcohol were really coming under fire for that and spuds kind of became the mm -hmm. lightning rod there was a lot of legal action and a lot of uh you know debate about whether he was supposed to be targeting children and uh, of course, the brand always said no. Uh, but uh, you know, so it, it's it's funny now that if anything, they have a hard time getting him to appeal to younger <laughs> younger <Yeah>. viewers. <laughs> I, I thought the fedora joke was actually good. Uh, yes. Well, let's listen. Let's listen to just the tail end of that ad, just because I think that's really the strongest bit of dialogue. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. Take this. You'll be a hero. Sweet. And take this fedora. You like it? Now you know what the fedora was a bad yeah, idea. I wasn't really feeling okay, that. one last thing. 
Yeah, the, the fedora line uh, did get a, a chuckle out of me in the room, and, and that was the kind of delivery that I think the rest of the ad needed. Um, but uh, but still, you know, it was it was an interesting risk to take, uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, it didn't quite pay off the way they wanted it to. But, uh, it, you know, in, in a night where there weren't too many really fun, crazy ideas to talk about. That one was one. But speaking of fun, crazy ideas, uh, let's talk about Snickers. Tim, I need you to explain to me what the hell happened in the Snickers ad because I was <laughs> like, everyone in the room I was in turned and looked at me and I was like... Like I, you were supposed to know what Yeah, like about. I'm the, the industry expert. Hey, I was hey like, ad guy. Yeah, I was like, I, I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea what just happened. Like what, what did happen? Walk us through what it you actually strange, see in the ad. It was a strange commercial and... One of the issues last night was it went by so fast that I really wanted to watch it again. But since it was live, it, uh, I was not watching on a DVR, so I couldn't rewind it. Um, our our lovely art person, uh, Diana McDougall, actually grabbed the video for me and sent it to me on Slack, which was very, very helpful. Um, you know, basically, I think the problem with, with this ad, and, and first of all, I should say, I think it was really cool of Snickers to try this. I think the problem with this ad was that it, it conceptually it, 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 there was too much going on. It mixed things up. So you had the concept, first of all, to, to have a live commercial. But then they added a concept on top of that, which was that to fit into the Snickers universe, they had to have a theme where someone's not doing something right because they're hungry. And so what they, what they landed on was this idea that this live commercial was going to go wrong because the people making it were hungry. So I think that's too much to digest in 30 seconds, and I think people were left kind of shaking their heads. So basically, the, the ad starts out, there's a big um, on-screen text that says live to tell you that it's live. And then the, the, there's an actor who kind of flubs his first line, and he doesn't flub it loudly enough for it to clearly be a gag. And, it, and it's it's just a little bit odd. And then Adam Driver comes out, and, he's, and he mentions the score of the game that we've been watching just to make sure that we know this is live. And then and that it's a whole cowboy th setting. And then a bunch of the guys that he's talking to get shot, and then the set starts to fall down. And by the end of it, you're like, what is going on here? And, uh, you know, and, and then it, the, the, some more text comes up on the screen at the end saying, when you're hungry, you make a, you make a mess of your live commercial, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, ambitious idea. Uh, I just don't think it really, it's just too much going on for people to connect to. And it was not really w very well spoken about last night. Um, I don't think people really knew what to say about it, so they just sort of ignored <laughs> it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, but, you know, it, it was innovative. You know, y you have to give them that. It was kind of a high-wire act, and uh, I just wish it had been better. I mean, I think... I think uh, the dialogue was hard to hear. I, I, I don't know. I think overall, conceptually, it was a little muddled, was the, was the primary problem with it. Yeah, I just, uh, to your point, I, I give them a lot of credit for trying something ambitious. Same with Hyundai, which I'd say executed their idea a little better, although it was had more of a safety net. Uh, the Hyundai idea was that they were filming live from, I believe, a military base, a U.S. military base in Poland, and uh, and basically created a... 360 VR experience for participants, you know, for members of the service to be able to watch the Super Bowl with their family and their loved ones, and they didn't know that, and so it shows them actually watching the game that you just watched. Um, that one uh, was very well done. It got the exact kind of emotional reaction I think Hyundai was hoping for, uh, but uh, but at the same time was a lot safer than trying to do an actual honest to God live TV with sets collapsing and Adam Driver and and everything else, but. You know, I think we'll see Snickers maybe hopefully return to form a little bit better next year. Or just come back with I, I. I don't know about you, Tim or Sammy. To me, the the best uh, Snickers Super Bowl ad of all time was Brady Bunch. Um, to me, I agree uh, with that. Yeah, and I think it's just that perfect mix of CGI, production value, acting, you know, talent selection, memor memorableness, <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't know. It seemed to have it all going, uh, and that retro appeal that you kind of need in the Super Bowl. But uh, Snickers, I guess, uh, good good points on them for trying. Uh, Sammy, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess what your favorite uh, ad of the night was. Can I can I guess? Yeah, I think you can safely guess which one it was. <laughs> was it Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart? Ding ding ding! We have a winner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, this was uh, yet another uh, T-Mobile spot. Um, in their kind of parade of, they were the largest advertiser of the night uh, with four four ads, uh, just a bit over Alfa Romeo, and uh, they kind of ran the gamut as we've talked about in terms of the the 
the talent, but you really cannot beat Snoop and uh, Martha Stewart for just crazy, uh, kooky friendship and one of the best uh, pieces of dialogue in the night and just really clever copywriting. So let's listen to that, and then we will let Sammy gush about how it's the best ad of all time. <laughs> Isn't T-Mobile fantastic, Snoop? Unlimited data, taxes and fees included. It's everything. Might even say it's all that in a bag of... Purple cushy throw pillows? No, I was thinking... Herb roasted lamb chops? No, a bag of... Greenery. For your topiary garden? Nah. Hot. Mm-mm. Cannabis. Uh, maybe. Smartphone sweaters? So yes, I think Cannabis may be the best piece of copywriting in, <laughs> in, in, in the recent history of the Super Bowl. That was good. Uh, uh, Sammy, what, tell us about uh, your love for this ad. Uh, this ad is just so funny, and I love their friendship. If you don't know or you aren't familiar with Martha Stewart and or Snoop Dogg, first of all, get a life because you should know about them they've been friends for like well over a decade at this point it's like kind of documented throughout her various television shows and they currently star on um kind of a a combination cooking and music entertainment dinner party show over on vh1 martha and snoop's dinner party um Oh, but I think the real name of that is Martha and Snoop's Potluck Dinner Party because everything they do now has to have some kind of marijuana <laughs> pun theme. Like it's like, I don't know if it's in their contracts at this point. So the spot was just so fun because it's it's showing their, their two personalities and they do truly get along really well in real life. And they were just kind of able to, to continue the, the theme of marijuana puns um, throughout the, the ad. And they did it really, really well. Each one was really funny. And getting to see Martha Stewart say all of those things is equally as hilarious. Um, let's, uh, I, there, I don't, I don't want to hold you guys up too much longer because it is the day after the Super Bowl and we all have a lot to do, but, uh, there were a few other things I want to make sure we hit, uh, on the more serious note, I guess, uh, we, we've talked a bit about the politics, but there's, this was certainly the theme of the night was brands, um, well, depending on your perspective, there were several people who I think rightly pointed out that if there was supposed to be a lesson in the, in the Trump election of kind of mainstream America overlooking you know the 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 kind of the red states and the the you know the the working class voters that certainly that lesson wasn't learned uh in the sense that brands were very heavily leaning toward um inclusiveness and diversity and acceptance and immigration all those were recurring themes that I would I can't think of any ads that really uh had a theme that would be considered really pro Trump um am I right Tim was there anything that you would call like a conservative leaning ad no, not really. Um, you know, th- that's to be expected from brands. You know, it's hard to do like a anti-tolerance commercial <laughs> at, at any time, particularly on the Super Bowl. But again, going back to that 84 lumber thing, I mean, they would say that uh, they're right in lockstep with Trump. So uh, that's the only one I can think of, really. But we had like just to try to tick them off. I'm sure we've talked about most of these already. But Airbnb uh, very directly had an entire message about inclusiveness. Uh, it's not a surprise coming from that brand. Uh, but definitely they were one of the ones to put the hardest uh, stake in the ground. Google uh, opened an ad with a gay pride flag, uh, although that wasn't really necessarily the point of the ad, but they certainly made sure to put that in there. Um, Expedia kind of rebroadcast as a regional ad. It's an ad from the inauguration about the importance of travel and discovering new things and accepting other people. Uh, And, of course, Budweiser was an immigration story. 84 Lumber was an immigration story. Um, I feel like I'm missing a few. The, uh, the, NF- the NFL had one where they, uh, they talked about unity coming together as a nation, that inside these lines spot, which was pretty yeah. cool, I thought. Yeah, which prominently featured their first and only female referee, uh, which I thought was a, a nice touch. Um, but definitely, yeah, kind of a, a accepting of everybody kind of a, a vibe. Uh, Sammy, which one were you going to mention? Um, just a couple more. Audi, um, for some reason, equal pay is a progressive issue. So that was one that was kind of on the list for me, as well as Kia kind of took on saving the environment. Yeah, yeah. So they had a little fun with it, um, with their ad with, uh, uh, with Melissa uh, McCarthy. Melissa yep. McCarthy mm-hmm. um, who, Sean, Sean you know, Spicer. Yeah, Sean Spicer. Yeah. So Melissa Great McCarthy. for Melissa. <laughs> I, I feel like she came into the Super Bowl, or maybe this is just my own, you know, you need, you know, per perspective, but I feel like she came into it with, 
she hasn't really been on my radar uh, anytime recently, and so I was just kind of like, oh, all right, yeah, I mean, she's funny, I guess. Um, but then uh, then had one of the best SNL outings of all time with her Sean Spicer impersonation just literally the day before the Super Bowl. Uh, and so we made a fun gif of, you know, it was like, Melissa, the White House needs you, and it was her doing all these save the whales, save the save the glaciers or whatever, and then and then her as Sean Spicer just attacking the, the press corps with her podium. <laughs> <laughs> and that there was, was someone, someone on Twitter after that um, – clip from snl aired was saying like if they had had kids they would have woken them up to seen it like it was the moon landing <laughs> like it was just a spectacular <laughs> couple of minutes of television so i think that was a nice kind of palette reminder like you were saying of of melissa and what she can do with her comedy apparently uh this morning that ad has officially won the usa today ad meter also which is probably worth mentioning uh my, my eight-year-old ran upstairs after that ad uh, came on he was so excited to see if i was writing about it just kind of funny. Oh. So that was like a sort of a one one kid focus group, but he called it um, <laughs> he called it funny and soulless because I didn't think oh, okay. I didn't think he liked her getting beat up a lot like that. So, oh. um, yeah, <laughs> soulless. Budding ad yeah. critic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I honestly I take his perspective a little heavier than most of the Twitter responses I got last night. So. <laughs> um, well, it was, uh, yeah, so that was definitely an interesting theme of the night. And today, of course, it is the talk of the conservative side of the media. Uh, talk radio and Breitbart and all those places are, are certainly hammering the anti-Americanness of a lot of this messaging. Um, but, you know, and, and I certainly wouldn't begrudge people for feeling that they were ganged up on a bit if you were a Trump supporter, if you were kind of, you know, on the other side of these arguments. Uh, but it also showed this is a, something we've been talking about a lot lately, which is how were brands going to react to the Trump era? Were they going to become, were they going to dial back this diversity messaging that they've really been pushing lately? And honestly, I think it's a bit of a herd immunity thing where I think they figure that if, if everyone's getting boycotted, then no one's getting boycotted, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, what is the saturation level of boycotts? Um and uh, and that was certainly last night. I swear there were at least six different boycott hashtags flying around. I even made some joke at one point that like people must have a Google spreadsheet going at some point of how many brands they're they're boycotting after tonight. Yeah, where are they going to do all of their shopping and eating and everything? They're going to run out of places soon. <laughs> yeah, right. it's just going to become more complicated to like, especially when you're boycotting <laughs> places like Kellogg or something, and it's just like yeah. they own like 78 you know major brands at your at your store, but. Uh, David, Anyways, can, I, uh, can I throw in a, a few more honorable mentions for ads that I enjoyed? Of course. From last night. Um, I thought the the uh, buy drinks spot with Christopher Walken mm. um, doing the buy, buy, buy thing with, with Justin Timberlake was, was very, very good. Wait, that wait, was definitely so a contender for, uh, for, for the five best. Explain this ad to me because I just I, that ended and I just stared blankly at it and I didn't have a clue what to even say. Like <laughs> you weren't an NSYNC fan, weren't you? Yeah, the I bye was bye not. bye was uh, bye 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 was like an NSYNC lyric that that, that JT was uh, famous for back in the day, and so Walken comes on and he gives this sort of Walken esque little thing and then he he tweaks Justin at the end and Justin's just left sort of speechless, which was a funny thing because it was supposed to you know everyone thought this was going to be his big uh, his big ad for buy drinks. He's an investor in buy drinks and so. Um, for him to not to have a line was was pretty fun. And Christopher Walken, I mean, whenever he comes on screen, you have to listen to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like they, they kind of blew the the best Walken use by having him in the Walken closet. Um, last year, yeah. What was for, that? For Kia last year. Yeah. yeah, last year, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was great to see him back. Uh, what else was on your honorable mention list? You know, I thought the Tide commercial was pretty charming with Terry Bradshaw. It was kind of one mm -hmm. of these old school ads. I, I felt like a throwback to like 20 years ago. It was so goofy and slapstick, and he's got a stain on his shirt in the broadcast booth, and he just, you know, he freaks out, and he runs down to the to the field, and he ends up in a golf cart, and he, he ends up on the highway, and somehow he, he crashes through some woods, and he ends up at Jeffrey Tambor's house. <laughs> I mean, it was a weird commercial, um, but it was funny. Uh, it's just, you know, and, and I don't know, Jeffrey Tambor is like watching a nature show. There's just so many weird parts <laughs> to this commercial. And uh, there was a callback, I think, later in the in the broadcast mm -hmm. with like a 15. I think they bought a weird like 75-second ad early in the, earlier in the game, and then they bought a 15-second, 15, 15 almost like a coda toward the end, which I thought was interesting. So I like that one. And I also like the sprint ad um, that, that Droga 5 did. <laughs> With the, the dad who fakes his own death to get out of his Verizon contract, <laughs> just the, the acting in that one is so funny. Where he, you know, he's like, 
Welcome. Just that first line. Daddy's yeah, dead. wait, wait. Let's let's not uh, let's not. I get. Let's play it because I I do love his delivery of that line. So this picking up with him pushing a car <laughs> off a cliff, and you're right, it is one of the best lines of the night. Well, kids, Daddy's dead. Like, so just accusing, accusing his kid of being a lawyer, <laughs> like it was, uh, that kind of dark humor, I think works really well. And then, and then the ex Verizon guy, the current Sprint guy, comes up, traitor, with with what what uh, David you you believed were uh, ski, ski poles. <laughs> yeah, he's like skiing on dirt weren't and they, rocks. Weren't they just walking sticks? I think Do they, they were have hiking to be sticks. Different? Okay, well, I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. I've I, I've never seen people hiking. I don't with hike, sticks. but I think they're thing. <laughs> They are. Like thing. I just assumed a hiking stick was like an old, you know, grizzled, n- like branch that, <laughs> that you, you just, you know, you whittled down. Yeah, that while you're like planting wild down. apple seeds, <laughs> like, <laughs> with a pan on your head. <laughs> and the and the last one I wanted to mention, which we didn't really touch on, I know it was in my top five. The, the it's a ten. The, the hair care ad was so funny. I mean, it was so bizarre. All these weird images of people with funky hair, and it was talking about how, you know how the next four years are going to be difficult. I thought that was um, really the sleeper hit of the game, and and uh, it's it's worth going back and watching it again. You know, from this brand, you know, it, it was weird. Our, our number one and number two ads this year, eighty four lumber, and it's a ten brands I'd never heard of before uh, January. Yeah. So, well, it's uh and, and Mr. Clean being a first time advertiser, it was a good night for kind of the surprises. Uh, let's listen to that. Uh, that uh, copywriting on the It's a 10, because you're right, it really was one of the, the pleasant surprises of the night. America, we're in for at least four years of awful hair. So it's up to you to do your part by making up for it with great hair. And we mean all hair. His hair, their hair, that baby's hair, that chest hair, that mohair sweater, that dog hair, that back hair, that girl's hair, he hair, your hair, all hair. All right. Well, we should probably round up, uh, you know, wrap everything up so that we can get back to our day jobs. But uh, I did want to talk briefly about Gaga. There, you know, I think everyone seems in agreement that it was a stellar halftime show, uh, but it was also kind of devoid of controversy. Although it had the best Infowars headline uh, of the of the <laughs> night that that she was going to commit a satanic ritual during the show. But the original headline said during the super bowel, and then hours went by before anybody edited it. So the original headline was a lot grosser, and they kind of dug themselves into a hole. But I agree, that was a a wonderful kind of prediction for what might happen. I I mean, I think my only, uh, I guess this is a standard Super Bowl complaint, is that if you're a fan, I I mean, I'm not a big, huge Gaga fan, but I, I, I do really like her. And I feel like... Super Bowl always trots these people out and makes them like rehash their earliest hits. You know, it's like play your first three hit songs um, and don't play anything you've written in the last 10 years. Uh, And so in that respect, it was a little disappointing. But other than that, I mean, everyone knew the songs, everyone knew the lyrics. Uh, She definitely structured the playlist or the set list in a certain way that uh, sent a subtly political message. But she never, you know, flicked off the camera or yelled, you know, F Trump or anything. Uh, and just the choreography from the drones to the crowd. I thought it was amazing. You know, I made the joke last night that um, Katy Perry couldn't synchronize two sharks, and yet uh, Gaga can synchronize <laughs> her entire crowd and like a thousand drones flying behind her. So, uh, you know, I don't know. What, what, uh, Sammy, what, what was your take in the, especially in the war room? It sounded like everybody was pretty impressed. It was fabulous. Diana, who we mentioned earlier, was just blown away the entire time. Nobody could look at her because she was so excited. fanning herself. <laughs> Basically, yeah. A lot of us were, like, screaming. And then at one point, we definitely thought Beyonce was going to come out because Lady Gaga started singing Telephone, which is what she um, sung as a duet with Beyonce in the music video. Even though we had heard last week that Beyonce wasn't going to be there, but it's her town, and so we thought maybe. So you all got real sweaty and excited and then she didn't come out which is fine um but the the rest of the performance was so amazing and one of my favorite jokes of the night i mean there are a lot of if you weren't on twitter that's almost half the fun of watching live events is also watching twitter um but there are a few tweets of kind of 
Gaga, at the end of her performance, she did that epic mic drop, and then she caught that football while jumping off a platform. And everybody was saying, like, she caught more footballs than the Patriots did in the first <laughs> half. But then we all kind of ate our words <laughs> toward the end of the game. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think she did a, a wonderful job. And like you said, yeah, it wasn't overtly political. It was kind of the, the a friendly amount of political, and, and I think she did wonderful. Yeah, and another one of our wonderful web artists, Yulia Kim, actually made a, a pretty awesome gif of that moment with, with Gaga jumping, doing the mic drop and jumping and catching the football. And uh, one of our editors, uh, Steph Patrick, uh, tweeted that gif out, and it got huge engagement online. It got like 2,000 likes on Twitter. So of course very she cool did. Moment. She's Lady Gaga. She did everything last night. It was so good. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because there were – Going back, I was curious to see, like, which tweets did the best. You know, we had a lot of engagement on Adweek all night, but um, the three that got the most, see if I can remember off the top of my head, it was it was that Steph's, uh, you know, she basically said there are mic drops and then there are Lady Gaga mic drops. Um, but then uh, uh, Agency Spy, our, our blog uh, run by Patrick Coffey, uh, he had tweeted after the Budweiser, he said, uh, it's it's almost like we're a nation of immigrants or something <laughs> with like all these ads. <laughs> and that one just blew up and got like 2,000 likes. Um, and then, uh, Tim, I believe your post about uh, 84 Lumber uh, and about where people could actually watch it after the site crashed. Um, and then there were one or two others. But it was it's always interesting seeing kind of what gets uh, the most attention on there, especially during such a fire hose of, of a night as the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. So. Uh, definitely, definitely fascinating. Well, thank you to Tim uh, for rounding up all that. I know it's been exhausting, not just a few days, but a few weeks. Same for Sammy. Uh, Sammy Mayne, you've been uh, kind of on top of the Super Bowl ad tracker uh, for the last few months. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, thank you both for coming on this special edition of the podcast. We'll be back on uh, this a little later this week with our usual programming. And uh, looking forward to it. But for now, check out adweek.com for just oh, just so many Super Bowl stories and so much follow-up. Uh, and uh, let us know on uh, Twitter. We're Adweek. And you can also drop us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks so much. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you in a few days. This special episode of the podcast was brought to you by Deloitte Digital. Deloitte Digital has created the Creative Digital Consultancy, combining leading digital and creative capabilities with deep industry knowledge and versatile technology experience to help transform businesses. Deloitte Digital, bring your brand ambition to life. This episode was also brought to you by Newstar. Keeping up with your customers is only half the challenge. Next Level Marketing Analytics lets you block, tackle, and crush the competition before they know what hit them. Get ahead of the game with Newstar Marketing Solutions. Visit newstar.biz playbook for tips from the marketing pros.